You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Heavenly Father, we ask that you will speak to us as we share from your word this morning. That you will instruct us in righteousness. You will strengthen our faith. Holy Spirit of truth, we welcome you again. We open our hearts to you. We thank you, our Father. In the name of Jesus. Church shouted a big amen. amen. Let's put our hands together and celebrate Jesus. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hallelujah. All right. Good to see everyone in church, bright and early uh, today. Uh, thank you for coming. Uh, can we celebrate knees? It's a beautiful God experience. Thank you. Knees, a great friend of mine, and it's just a huge privilege to hear you share your God experience. I must read out a scripture as we proceed in this discussion. Hi, my personal player. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm, I, so you know how you like a scripture so much, you're like, this must fit into the message, right? So this is where this is. God has been laying this in my heart, teaching me from this, and I just kind of like, I'm going to try and force it into the message somewhere, but just, but I can read it, you know, and I'll probably come back to it. It says from Ephesians chapter 2, I read from verse 4. It says, but God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, um, of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, for by grace are you saved through, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest you should boast, or anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, with Christ prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. Okay, so we said we're going to um, have this discussion. We called it a Life Point Sexuality Series. And um, um, yeah, it's, it's so if you are below a 16 or yeah, here Please do like you're going to the bathroom now, please. But it's one of those meetings with, <laughs> yes, yeah, talk about you're 17. Okay. But, um, but, but really, it's, it's one of those important discussions we need to have. Um, so now this discussion um, is very dear to my heart, and I'm just going to try and dive into it. Now, sex is a very powerful thing. It's a huge force on the earth. Um, all of you, everybody, person on your left, on your right, um, as you're, you're here today because your parents had sex. I know you don't like to think about it. You, don't, you, you perhaps didn't even know, sweetheart, but it's true. <laughs> yes, you are here today because your parents had sex. Um... Can stop thinking about. You can stop thinking about it now. <laughs> All right, but um, but if you think about the fact that there are billions of people on the earth, 
That's a lot of sex. Okay. Seven billion people. And you, you all know it's not every sex that you have a baby. So that's a lot of sex. Okay. But God created the sexual desire and our ability to have sex, our sexual parts. In fact, God created our bodies the way with a lot of intentionality. Okay? And, and I like the f- way he creates us. To we, we, we know hunger, so we know we need food. And uh, we're thirsty, we know we need water. There's something I just put on the table here. I've said it before about sex that I, I personally don't believe that sex is just all about pleasure. Um, and I, the same way, eating food is not all about pleasure. So the reason you eat is not just because food is sweet. Because not all the food you eat is nice. Um, I think Ogwa and I were having breakfast last week. And I think I wanted breakfast something. My, my mic is going on and off. English breakfast. And they served... I, I don't know whether it was because I was black. I don't know what I said. It's like... So like, like one huge branch of potatoes, like eight or so potatoes. I couldn't really, uh, no, tomatoes, you know, red, big tomatoes. Like, they didn't train me like this. <laughs> and, it's, and you know tomatoes are not sweet like that. Okay. But partly because I wanted to eat healthy, and partly because I didn't want them to think we didn't know how to eat English breakfast, I ate all the tomatoes. Um... Food is not all about pleasure. And so, in fact, they tell you that if you eat just because food is sweet, you would um, have some challenging outcomes. And it's the same thing with sex. The purpose of sex is more than pleasure. In fact, I think it was in service here that I've mentioned before that if sex was not pleasurable, if perhaps it was painful, we would have very few people on the earth today. Because you can just imagine the guy at work saying, oh my God, telling his colleague, we need to have another child. Ah, they say, ah, Colesario. Ah, it's going to be tough. I say, man, the last time was bloody. <laughs> ah, they say, God be with you, God be with you. <laughs> you know, and you know, so we, we, we and it, it, it was like, ah, I'm done, man. Just one child. I'm not having any more. But, but there's a reason why there's pleasure tied to it, okay? Um, just to also mention that God is more <laughs> interested in your sexual fulfillment than you are. Somebody said, Jesus Christ. Why did, why did I even come to church to this? <laughs> okay, but, but seriously speaking, God is actually. I dare say that God actually wants you to have great sex. No, I, I think I should just say all these hard things now so we can just get all the uneasiness out of because you're going to just say too. So I just say, so just say after me, God wants me to have great sex. Then <laughs> this <laughs> 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 is never. See, I can never say this. Not. <laughs> oh God, this is going to be a great service. But to say it one more time, God wants me to have great sex. <laughs> choir members are refusing to talk. I will give you guys mic one by one. 
But it's true. But it's true. Holy Spirit. All right. Um, now, the way I'm going to do this is very simple. Oh, we're talking about masturbation today. Okay. Just in case it was not uncomfortable enough, let's just put it on the table. I'm just going to ask a friend of mine who, uh, someone I respect a lot, I'm going to ask her a couple of questions to start with. Um, she's, um, she's, a, she's a very, she's a good friend of mine, someone who loves God a lot. Um, and she's also very, she can be very skeptical. So there's a word, there's a concept called skeptical theology. She's like a PhD there. You know, she, if everybody's driving one way, if you see one person driving the other way, the likelihood is that it's her. Okay, but, um, but I've asked her, I said, look, let's start this today this discussion about masturbation by having me ask you a couple of questions. She agreed, so I'll ask her, okay? Um, let's welcome Shubomi Plumter. She's going to come forward. Oh, wow. <laughs> right, so Shubomi, good morning. All the pleasantries out of the way. Hi. Is mas- should a Christian masturbate? I just, I'm sorry, I just... <laughs> I didn't let you settle. Do you want to sit? You, you, want, you have a... Yeah, fine. We have, do we have another mic? Okay. Where's her mic? Where's Falabi's mic? Should anybody masturbate? Hello. Ah, great. Um, should a Christian masturbate? I have. Um, and I'm a Christian. Um, should I have done it or should I do it is another matter entirely. Um, I think the reasoning, or or, or let me talk for myself, I I, I think my reasoning is I grew up in a Christian home and from a very young age I had always had it pumped into me, um, don't have sex, don't fornicate, um, don't do anything to make your parents um, not proud of you. And at a point I went to God and I said, okay, so what exactly do you want me to do? Um, I have a sexual drive. Um, I have the desire to have sex. Um, this is not uh, the time of Paul or Peter where people used to get married at 16. Um, so I, I had a very practical conversation with God and I said, okay, so what exactly do you want me um, to do if you don't want me to have sex outside of marriage, and I'm dealing with a lot of all this um, sexual energy. Um, So it it was a struggle um, for me, um, because it's not as if there's anywhere in the Bible that says, thou shalt not masturbate. Um, It's it's one of those gray areas. Um, And I think what kind of settled it for me um, was maybe reading about you know, Jesus's view of sex. And, you know, he said something very interesting. He said, adultery or fornication is not just having sex with someone, but when you actually look at someone lustfully, um, he's very particular about what goes on in your mind. Um, And unless you have the creative IQ of maybe Leonardo da Vinci, chances are when you're masturbating, your imagination is going haywire. Um, You're thinking about stuff that you've watched. You're thinking about stuff you've read. You're thinking about stuff um, you've seen. So masturbation really is about your imagination. 
Um, and I think I had to come to a place of humility and, and just be real with God um, to tell him, there's all this stuff going on in my head. And if I'm to try to be the person you want me to be, um, and if you're so concerned about all the stuff that goes on in my head, um, then I need to be really honest and just lay it you know, out before you and say, perhaps this is not something I should be doing. So that's my roundabout way <laughs> of answering your question. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Okay. I will ask you again. <laughs> no, but, but um, and, and it's interesting you say that because anyone who's been in church um, long enough had my God experience also. Um, and I've said to you how, <clears throat> as a church, I've said, look, guys, I, I struggled with masturbation growing up. Okay? And um, so it's not, it's not something that, and because I'm pastor of this church, I talk to us. So it's not something that I think is very far away. What are the statistics like? You know, someone actually said to me over the weekend, but isn't it just a, it's a guy issue? Is, it, is this something that you think is rampant? Is it something that affects most people, some people, nobody? Are there any statistics, anything at all that tells us what kind of magnitude? I'm going to come back to your answer, but I just wanted to put that. I know you're big on social media. Is there anything? Um. Well, the only statistics I have, um, I, I run a therapy platform. Um, so for people who are dealing with addiction um, and they want to talk to a therapist, a licensed um, therapist, they call on the phone and, and receive counseling. Um, in the last one year, we've talked to about 1,500 people um, who say they're dealing with some challenge or the other. And 70% of those calls have been from people who are addicted to porn or masturbation. Um, and they're all what, under what the age of 35. What percent? 70% of, of those calls. <laughs> okay. um, so I think at that point, it, it began to dawn on me that we, we have a problem. Um, many of these people are Christians. Um, I find that if you're not a Christian, you don't have a problem. You just go out and have sex. You know, so I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's a peculiar Christian problem. Um, because we know what God says about sex outside of marriage. So it's almost like a fallback option, plan B. <laughs> ah, I see. I see. Okay. Um, quick question. Ill effects, are there any... And you can talk from your personal experience or you can talk generally about your cousin, Femi. Okay. Uh, um, are there any ill effects? Are there, are there side effects? Are there... Is it... So let's. So there's the part about should a Christian do it or not. I'll, I'll come back there. But are there? Does it have? Is it harmful? Because you did mention the whole thing about an addiction. Okay, I'll talk as Shubomi, and then I'll talk as, um, um, as as someone who has dealt with a lot of therapists and and I've done my personal research. Um, for Shubomi, I hated losing my willpower. Um, I'm a very strong-willed person, so to have to be confronted with something and not be able to stop on my own, um, and every time I would say, no, I'm not going to do this again, but then I would go back and do it again. I hated that cycle. I hated the cycle of my willpower was compromised. Um, there was a feeling of guilt, um, not being able to talk to God freely and, and feeling condemned um, and feeling ashamed. So I, I think it was just all of that, um, having to deal with all of that, I think was, was very, 
was very te terrible um, for me as Shubomi. Um, and then also as someone who runs a therapy platform, I, I think it's also maybe just reading all the research about it and, and knowing that, I, I mean, if, if you have the chance, please look for this um, TED Talk. There's a TED Talk by Gary Wilson um, that talks a lot about it, the science um, behind masturbation, behind um, addiction to pornography. And a lot of times both are linked um, because, like I said, unless you're very creative, chances are you need fuel. You need something, you know, um, um, to masturbate to, um, which usually um, is porn. Um, so you, you find that what it does is that the more you begin to do something and the more you begin to lose your willpower, um, the more dependent you are on that thing. So like every other addiction, you know, whether it's drugs, whether it's, it's um, masturbation or whether it's alcohol or anything, your brain just becomes rewired to, to want that thing because it, it attacks your pleasure center. So it's like anytime you're feeling lonely, anytime you're feeling bad, you masturbate and then you get a high. And then after a while, your brain just becomes rewired. You, become, you, be, you, you start to crave it because that's what you associate with pleasure. You know? And after a while, it then just further compromises your willpower. You know? So if you look at that TED Talk, you find out you know, what they found um, was when they looked at the brain scans of people who were addicted to masturbation, and then they looked at the brain scans of people who were addicted to alcohol or drugs, the result was the same. So an addiction is an addiction. It, it has the same, um, um, you're gonna deal with the same issues, you're gonna deal with the same struggles, trying to break free. Um, and then even at a deeper level, again, if you look at the research, it affects your self-esteem. Um, it, it, it affects your attention, <laughs> your attention span. Um, it takes a lot of energy from you, energy that you could be using for productive activities. It drains your mental and emotional um, energy and at the end of the spectrum um, for some people it also leads to erectile dysfunction um, because you begin to associate sex with pornography or with masturbation so even when you then experience the real thing it becomes very difficult for you to adjust um, because you spend so much time um, focusing on getting your pleasure um, from masturbation yeah. okay, thank you thank you you did mention rewire yeah isn't that the guy you call where your car is not? Let's <laughs> 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 so get the rewire to come and fix your okay. electrical. What, is, what does that mean? It, it just means the more you masturbate, the more you want to masturbate. Your body begins to associate it with pleasure. Um, so the more you want it. And then you begin to go into more extreme forms um, of masturbation because you want more. So you then need to rewire that rewiring. Um, and I think a lot of uh, the mistake a lot of people think uh, or the, the mistake a lot of people make um, is that they feel that when they finally get married and they finally have access to sex, everything is going to stop. Not knowing that you've created a problem. It's, it doesn't disappear automatically when you have access to sex. You're still going to have to go through the process of recovery. Um, so I tell a lot of young people, deal with it now. Um, don't wait till you get married and then assume everything is going to miraculously reset, you know, on its own. Um, you're still going to have to go through that process of recovery, um, even when you get married, as long as you don't deal with that addiction now. Okay, thank you very much. I'm going to talk, th talk a bit, maybe like 20 minutes or so. And I'm going to ask us to land on uh, when it's an addiction, okay? 
So it's, it's, you can stay here. It's good. You look nice as part of the furniture. <laughs> or you can go. But let's put our hands together for me. I'll, I'll call her back right away. I've written a number on the, on the board called, I put it 100, and we're going to kind of land on that. Um, I think there's one person in the room who knows what that means. But Daniel 112 down is where I kind of have that from. Um, so, so for me, this wasn't just because I thought what would be a great topic to just vex people's spirits about on Sunday morning. Um, over the last couple of weeks and months, I have become, you know, it's like louder in my head about, and it sounds like a bit of a cliche, what God wants to do with people. And what I find is that every now and again, he would drop in our hearts or pull to our attention something that might stand in the way of him doing that. Um, Bible says in Genesis 3 that after something had happened, but God showed up in the evening, the cool of the night or the day, and that the man Adam and Eve hid themselves away from the presence of God among the trees in the garden. And when God called to the man and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked so I hid myself. And so what begins to happen as we answer the question, look, should this be in the life of a Christian? Is that you begin to try and solve for a number of things. Does it take you into the presence of God? Or does it drive you away? I mean, and you hear it over and over again from anybody who is an honest Christian and who is either battled with or is battling with. And they say to you, it's the same thing. It's guilt. It's condemnation. It's, it's the way it... Because some people say, but show me in the Bible where it says we shouldn't. You know, and it's, it's interesting because that which, when you hear the sound of God coming, causes you to hide. You know, something Shubhami said, you know, Paul says that all things are lawful, but I will not be brought under the power of anything. So anything which enslaves you or brings you to the place of where you cannot exercise your will. The fact that when you look at God's design for sex, um, it's hard to posit anything or say anything that, you know, there's no allowance for sex outside of marriage, it seems. I mean, we, I mean it, it's hard to see it in scripture. It's important. I don't see it. Okay? And someone says, thank you. Someone says, oh, well, it's easy for you to say that because you are married. Okay? Um, but like Shubhami said, marriage means you have someone you should, you you will have sex with. It doesn't change, um, it doesn't take away the fact that you would be sexually tempted. Um, I read a quote, an article from a guy called John Piper. 
He said something. It says, one of the major forces preventing young people from obeying the call of God into vocational Christian service is defeat in the area of lust. A teenager hears a challenging call to throw himself into the cause of world evangelism. He feels the prompting of the Holy Spirit. He tastes the thrill of following the King of Kings into battle. But he does not obey because he is masturbating regularly. He feels guilty. He can hardly imagine witnessing to a pretty girl about the eternal plight of her soul because he has so habitually looked at girls naked in his imagination. So he feels unworthy and unable to obey the call of God. Masturbation becomes the enemy of missions. Uh, somewhere else in that article, and I quote again, he said, I cannot imagine sexual orgasm in the loins without sexual image in the mind. Okay? Um, it says, evidently, God has constituted the connection between sexual orgasm and sexual thoughts in such a way that the force and pleasure of orgasm is dependent on the thoughts or images in our minds. Shwami um, was talking from Matthew 5, where Jesus speaks about the fact that it's not just what happens physically that is a challenge or that is sin. He says it's also what happens in the mind. Good. So, um, this is, so for me, this message is, is about masturbation, but I know there are people who are here like, that's not, I have no such concern. But I believe God has a word in this for you. For some people, it's some area of sexual temptation. And, and God has a word for you, okay? I'm going to try and speak very clearly about what God has put in my heart. And I want us to pray very quickly. And I trust God that he will speak to us, okay? Um, I feel very much like a, like a, like a whistleblower. <laughs> Except you just came to Lagos. You know that the reigning prayer now is <laughs> every whistleblower of my destiny <laughs> appear. <laughs> but, uh, but really, it's a good time to get a flat in Ikoyi. <laughs> Looking for a flat in Ikoyi. Say, where? Anyone? Just preferably one that's been empty for a while. <laughs> okay? But I feel like a whistleblower. I feel like God is literally shouting about someone's life. Okay? In fact, never in my life has that scripture where you know, the writer of Hebrews says, laying down every weight and the sin that so easily besets, let us run the race that is set before us. Never in my life has that scripture been more vivid. Okay? So the issue for me is, again, I speak out of scripture, what I've heard Christians share, and my personal experience. This takes us away from God. The fact that it can become an addiction, and oftentimes does become an addiction, is doubly dangerous. The fact that it will impact your sexual relationship when you get married, potentially, can, except by the mercy of God. Uh, because I, it's one of the things I do is that I counsel um, people who are planning to get married. Um, and one of the things I would tell, if I had to print, when we come, so we, this, there's a class on sex. That is the last class before you marry, okay, for obvious reasons. Um, and one of the things we say to them is, look, um, if in, I can say this, it's okay. If 
you know, if you learn to look for the pleasure of the other person, you are halfway there in terms of being sexually fulfilled in marriage. Masturbation wires you to look for your pleasure. Uh, and by the way, over the last two years, I don't understand what's happening on the internet. Every time I go on a website, there's always an ad for how to last longer. How, does it, do you see these things? So it's not just on my own computer, right? Okay. <laughs> no, no, I just wanted to, sorry, it has nothing to do with my message. I just want to be clear that everywhere you go, is it that there's like, okay, no, no, let's focus. Let's focus. You know, so this is the kind of message that you are praying. P.I. cannot tell me to tell my neighbor anything in this message. Nothing. There's, no, there's nothing. There's nothing. This is a personal message. Help me look at your neighbor and tell them, are you still here? <laughs> tell them, I think P.I. is talking to you. <laughs> I know you're laughing loudly. IBK has been laughing in this service. <laughs> Even when I'm not joking, I'm like, you can just laugh. Ha, ha, ha. I just want you to know that I'm here. Okay? I, I see you. <laughs> All right. So, how do you deal with it? Very important. How do you deal with it? I, I have a... I have a, I have a so, when we're worshiping God, I, was, I, I became very emotional at the point because I remember um, walking around as a teen, not, well, I was a teenager, was my, well, in the university days, in the period when I dealt with the addiction. And I know how I felt on the inside. And like Subhami said, it was just annoying that you couldn't break free at the time. It was you know, feelings of worthless. I, I clearly remember actually saying to God, and I've said this to church before, that, look, God, I love you. I, I, will do, I will do work in church. I will serve in church. I will do my fellowship at the time. And I said, but I, I don't know that I will make it to heaven. Because, you know, it's almost a, they used to call this, it's a mirage where you are in, like, in the desert or somewhere, in a dry road, a hot road. You think you see water, you get there, and then there's really no water. But you try to replicate or amplify the experience in the hope that it will then feel, but it doesn't. Um, so how, how do we... Sort of, so for me, the, the issue is really not just about masturbation. It is what I hear in my heart is about our availability to God. And I'll tell you what this means. But, but how do we deal? So James... This beautiful scripture, again, is like a formula for me, but I'm not going to try and draw it in a formula. I'm just going to quickly tell you what I, what it is. So James chapter 1, 14 to 15. It says, but each one, including you and your neighbor, is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, as <laughs> young sin, teenage sin, middle-aged sin, full-grown sin, brings forth death. 
So he says there is a cycle that you need to understand. There is desire. It then gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. This is bigger than masturbation. Fantastic. So I say, look, every desire has an incubation. And that the ability to understand or identify the triggers of your desire, the providers of the opportunity and those things which essentially are the midwives of the sin because it says there's a birthing process and there's a training process there is a birthing process and there is a training process it's important that you know you understand that you are bigger than your sexual desires you're not just all about sex and I know that the world teaches us and models for us that you know we're sexy my head is have you asking your neighbor are you sexy i'm not going to do that i'm going to stay on track but you you know how that sometimes you and it might be you it might be me but what but you sometimes you see people you know they think they are sexy even the way they say hi hi <laughs> you're my now what is it now nah, i quite practice relax you know you know or just the extra baritone in the boy's voice hi <laughs> um but, so everyone carries desires as everyone here sitting on different chairs carries desires and different types of desires um, what creates those desires in you exposure inspiration new knowledge revelation sometimes when you've been with certain types of people you begin to desire what they've had sometimes when you hear the testimonies of people you begin to desire what they've had. So one of the first things, so, so James talks about this cycle, desire, there is an opportunity, there's conception, there's full growth, there is sin and death. He's actually understanding where your desires come from. Now I know there are some of us here, you have no desires at all sexually, nothing. You just want to get married. So some of the counseling come, why do you want to get married? We want to get married for companionship. The Lord said it's not good for marriage. It's just like, okay, what else? We want to have children. What else? Um, like, I love her. I just love her. I can't imagine my life without her. Okay, what else? There are like several reasons. I say, hey, what of sex? <laughs> my mind, I'm just like jokers. <laughs> if I've counseled you before, that's what I thought. So I'm being honest with you. Because you can see the way you know that the guys are carrying desires in them. In fact, the person who controls your desire or has the ability to control your desire actually will control your life. That's what advertising does. You'll be surprised how many things you bought that you did not know you needed until someone advertised it to you. iPad. We're living fine now. Abi? Apple. They showed us. Even when we first saw it, we didn't really know what it did. It was faddish. But now, it's like this, if you don't have it, your life is not complete. But we're living very fine. But what it is is that they have either <laughs> created in us a desire or awoken a desire that we did not recognize. Um, a couple of months ago, I talked about the, last year, the need to desexualize, long word, but desexualize your environment. So when you deal with masturbation, 
you must be extra conscious about how sexual the environment in which you live is or not. I think it's the psalmist that says, I've made a covenant with my eyes that I will not behold. So, but there's some of us, you, you know that your desires start from what you see, what you hear. For some of us, if we sit with you, I mean, a good test is if we sit with you and we play your music for the day. We can already see what kind of desires you are incubating. I mean, if you, for example, subscribe to a porn site, you just say you want to, I just, I'm just interested in learning. I just want to know, you know, the Kama Sutra. I just want to learn, you know, my open mind. It's not a problem. It's just, it's just that what it is is that you are incubating certain desires. When you watch certain things, you take on board certain desires. Do I have a choice? Of course you have a choice. Of course you have a choice. So the desires you... And I give an example. You know, How many of you, when you're just driving past or you're walking in the the mall or whatever okay driving past on the road you see this boy selling plantain how many times you just have it just want to you're just tempted to just pull the plantain from the guy and drive off drive off into the sunlight nobody sees you <laughs> no why nothing there's no you see the plantain you look at them you don't even, you, you don't doesn't move you. You don't. It's not of your business. It's not plantain. It's plantain. You want to plantain? You stop by on the road and buy. You shouldn't really buy on the road. Cause I hear they arrest people. But you shouldn't buy. But it doesn't because there's nothing. But I suspect if we start this thing where we're singing about plantain, all I want is plantain. All I want is plantain. If you hear the song long enough, focus, guys. <laughs> is there a song like that? But my point is the fact that and you and you do not realize how so experiment experiment this week put on your car radio radio or whatever any radio station and just listen to 10 songs right figure out how many of those songs in sequence talk about sex not just hint to talk about sex, you'd be surprised. It might open your eyes a little to how sexualized the world you live in is. So, first and foremost is understanding that cycle. Desire, then there's something that triggers it, calls it conception. And then sin, and then death. That's very important. One of the things that happens in masturbation is that you have to successfully objectify people. You have to get to the place where when you think about Falake, all she is to you is a sexual experience. And if any time you think about a person, that's all you can see. There is a challenge and something you need to deal with by God's help. Help me ask the person next to you. What do you carry? 
No, but it's serious because you need to audit your desires. You need to necessarily sit down with the Holy Spirit and say, what is... And this applies to more than just sex, by the way. But you need to say, what is in my heart? What am I carrying? One day, God allows us... We'll talk about same-sex attractions and relationships. Just one day. For some people, as you talk through where those desires come from and begin to allow God to help you manage them, you also begin to... Well, your desire is one thing, but one thing that happens with your desire is that how it begins to lead you to your opportunities. For some people, your opportunities have been... There are some that have been DHL'd to you by the devil, some arranged by your village people, some you went to buy yourself. I, I mean, I've said this before, how that when it comes to sex and you're preparing, managing your desires, opportunities, that which ignites in you, that you need to take the strictest stance possible. The strictest stance possible. I, I give you an example. You walk into a shop or you hear that everybody's buying sex, they call it sex, sex toys, right? You say, ah, for the fun of it, I just want to buy it. The challenge for me with that is that you, you've already, so as it's where you've registered the midwife for your sin. So you're not sinning yet, but you have registered the midwife. L- let, me, let me try and push forward. So, so weeks ago I said to myself, can grace produce in me the ability to live a holy life. That was, you know, I, don't, I can't remember what we were discussing in church. I wasn't really preparing for this because I realized that some, some of us have kind of stopped at the discussion of grace that says, your grace has found me just as I am. And that is true. But is that all? But, or does grace also go down to the ability to then live the kind of life that God wants us to live? So, so there's that cycle going on. The second thing to note, and I'm just going to put all this together just very quickly. Um, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17, Paul alerts us to a battle that is raging in the life of your neighbor, the person sitting next to you. I'll read to you so you're not too surprised. It says, This I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It says, for the flesh lusts after the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary the one to the other so that you do not do the things that you would. So the person sitting next to you, there's a war happening inside. I know they look fine. The Mary Kay is okay. The wig is perfectly on. They even have an accent. They have a nice bag. But there is a war. Help me comfort them this morning. (laughs) Tell them I hear there's a war in your... (laughs) I'm coming, I'm coming. There's a bit of... There's some method to my madness this morning. You know if you... So essentially it's like you own two cars. One car is... What's a nice car? A Ferrari, I mean? Or a Bentley? 
Bentley. Let's do, huh? Ferrari. Okay. So a Ferrari. You own a Ferrari. Then you own what's it not? I mean, you own a regular car. Sir? A Kia. Okay, well. <laughs> like a Honda. Let's just take a Honda. Like an old like a, like a Honda. You know what happens is that whenever you wake up every day, you make a choice between which car you drive. Now, imagine this. You're going to take a long trip. It's an emergency. You have to head out to Jabode somewhere. And they say to you, ah, there's no fuel. Or, no, you're going for this beautiful wedding. There's no fuel in the Ferrari. But there's fuel in the Kia. What does that mean? <laughs> because I want, to, I want to show up at that wedding. Eh? <laughs> to, to, it was to pepper them, right? You, you want them to... You, no, I'm Christian. Don't, I'm not being proud. I just want them to know what God has done in my life. I heard that some of my classmates will be there. I want to just testify to them. They knew I was a Christian. I just want to show them what God can do and is doing. And shame to bad people at the same time. But, so I want to get there with a the Ferrari. What's all this Kia? Kia is for buying fuel in the generator. But, sorry if you drive a Kia. Okay, God will bless you. Okay. But, but hang on. I do not have fuel in the Ferrari. You know I can enter the car and say I must drive this Ferrari. I can turn, in fact, what happens when you try to drive the Ferrari is that it then probably breaks down with you inside on the road. And people are wondering, how can you have a Ferrari and not have money to buy fuel? It sounds, you know, so what you typically will then do, you will advise yourself and say, I will get someone to drive me in the Kia. I'll pretend it's an Uber and those will just drop me off, you know, and, and, I, but, and, and that is what happens in this battle. So, you've got a Ferrari. You've got a new, brand new, divine parts nature when you got saved. You've got this old, and I'm not going to bash, because someone will come to me at the end of service. I work for Kia, you're bashing our products. You've got this older car, which is your flesh. It is the car you fuel that you will drive. It is the car you drive that you fuel that you will drive. It, it, there's no, you can, you, we can even be in church, you can say, I will drive the Ferrari. Ferrari. You can call all your friends. Tomorrow I am coming with the Ferrari. It is the car that you put fuel in that you will drive. So, what filling stations have you been going? We're talking about masturbation. And it's interesting, you know, because uh, this thing is pulling me away from God. I don't like it. It's destroying me. And, and I feel you because I've been at a place of pain and discomfort. But I realize that if, even when you go to the filling station, they ask you what you want to buy. Because there are certain cars that do not use fuel. Some use diesel. God save you. Now, so my question is, what are you fueling? The spirit or the flesh? So you need to, if you don't understand that that battle is raging within your neighbor, it, it puts you at a disadvantage. Okay? So God gives us power to understand and manage our desires. He gives us wisdom and discernment 
to process opportunities, to be able to recognize when this is seduction, when this will destroy me and my destiny. It gives us confidence to make the right choices. And he gives us his mercy to preserve our confidence. In the new birth, we receive the power. I think as you read 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 3, he begins to say this thing. He says, talks about practicing righteousness. I, and you know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I think it's verse 21, or 17 says, if any man is in Christ, the new creature, all things are passed away, all things are become new. 21 says, but he made him who knew no sin become sin for us, that we through that act might become the righteousness of God. So we are the righteousness of God. And John begins to say there is something called practicing righteousness. It's not of works. When I read that first scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, the one I was trying to force into the message, it says not of works lest any man should boast. It's not about you trying to become righteous. It is the fact that you have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And John says, look, we then have the ability to practice righteousness. And part of that practice of righteousness is dependent on what you fuel. So when we read Galatians chapter 5, he says that walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So no wonder when you read the Psalms, you, you hear David say things like in Psalm 119, if you can read from verse 9 downwards, it says how, from verse 9 down, it says how can a young man cleanse his ways or keep his ways pure? It says, you know, by taking heed to your word. And the next one says, um, with your, my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander away from your commandments. 11 says, your word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. So it's dangerous for a Christian. So a Christian can aspire to head out with his Ferrari, new nature. It is what he fuels that he drives. So when we say quiet time, it's not so that when they ask you, did you do quiet? It's not about religion. Mm -mm. So it's about, so, at a very basic level, it's your relationship with God and the truth is that it's about your survival, your destiny. So it's like food. It's like fueling. It's understanding that there is a war I will not be cut off. So, as you this, you know, so there's a desire in your heart, I want to please God. This, will, this is not of God. But yet you understand that there is a battle in your members. One thing that is critical here is a Christian who does not understand mercy and forgiveness will find it hard to walk in the grace of God. When we receive the power of God to practice righteousness, it doesn't mean that we are perfect from day one. It doesn't mean that you will not fall. It means in First John it says, look, when we, if we fall, that you know, there's, there's, there's forgiveness abundant in God. And so we come with God with confidence to obtain mercy and find grace to help. So there's someone here, you, you need to be bold when it comes to talking to God about masturbation. For someone you've not even had that discussion. Because the impression you have is that the day you mention it in prayer, you just hear thunder, lightning, everything. Just the fury and the anger of God. But God is not like that. A Christian who doesn't ask God for forgiveness and correction. It's like the man who buys a car 
and says, this car will never need repairs or servicing. So you need to stay where God can reach you. He says, by yourselves, you cannot achieve the things that I want you to do. He says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, it would bring forth blood. So you need to stay where God can reach you. So when we talk about prayer and the word, you know, it's not a, it's a, it's not something you can do without as you deal with masturbation. I'm going to get Shubami back um, in the next five minutes. I'm going to wrap up this discussion. So, as it, any other thing that has to do with sex or sexual temptation, um, can you break the addiction? Yes. Can you live above it? Yes. Does God want you to live above it? Yes. There are testimonies. There are people who have dealt with it. And like I said, look, as I speak today, one thing I kept on praying about was God, I know not everybody here has this issue or has this as an injury, but I, I know and I thank God, but please talk to people where they are. Talk to people where they are. I read two scriptures very quickly and then Shubami will come because see what happens is so <sighs> masturbation is an issue, is an issue and then becomes an addiction. It becomes an addiction when you know that you are trying to stop and you cannot stop. You are trying to stop. And the, the, see, when a Christian does not have um, confidence to appear before God, issues about destiny, issues about living the life that God has called you to live, they are far. Because you pray, but you, you and I know, you and God know that the prayer you're praying is just so that they will not say you didn't pray. And for someone, God is saying, oh boy, hang on now. I am God. I created you with all these desires. All. I, I put this in your body. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't like your parents went into a shop and said, give us one of this and one of this and added it to the body that God gave you. No. And he's saying, will you just turn to me and let us deal? Guy says, but I'm ashamed. And God says, let me deal with this for you. So there is a cycle of desire. There's somewhere where fuel comes. You know where they tell you, you don't put fuel and fire together. Yeah? Except you're trying to do something bad. And so I'm always fascinated by the things, by what people do intentionally with their life. There's, see, and I'll give an example. Yesterday, myself and I think Ogo and the kids were having expensive ice cream somewhere. Because it's still paining me. So, but, <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. It's okay, relax. But, but we're having expensive ice cream somewhere. And, and they're playing a song. I tell you this, I lie not. My daughter covers her ears. So I said to her, what is it? She says, the song. My daughter is eight turning nine. <laughs> that song, hmm? it's not as if I think the song is very bad like that. I've heard the song before. I can tell you this. I won't tell you the name, but I've heard the song before. And there's a song when you want to buy speakers at the airport. That's the song they play. So I know that song. Every time I was traveling, we'll play it. I even know some parts of the song. 
But my daughter's eight year old, I don't know what she heard something in that song. A girl covered her ears. Adults, oh God, myself, ice cream. <laughs> Sorry, love, you were there. I don't want to. <laughs> ice cream, ice cream is nice. <laughs> you know, and it's interesting because you know they say when the clouds are full, they will empty themselves. When we start coming all that, I just start talking. I've been talking for a long time. This, 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 you, you know, I normally I'm very puzzled by single brothers who walk around with condoms in their pockets and wallets. I, I can't understand it. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think you might, they want to decorate somewhere? They say they need balloons. What, what is it? No, what, no, because you are, you please say, no, I can't understand it. No, I can't. Or you say, I just have a subscription for a pornography site for research. What research? You know they say that the hunter that did not set a trap cannot catch the antelope? Some of you have set not a trap, traps. <laughs> Someone needs, and I say this very carefully, someone needs to bond. You know where you, you, you need to unsubscribe. You need to some of you have a number. Holy Spirit. You have, it's like your one chance number. You know if you call that number. That's a midwife. Oh, you need to just say, Unkem, that's all. <laughs> you know, sometimes you buy food, it's, they say it's pre-cooked. You're, you're just, it's almost heated. It's almost, you just need to heat it in the microwave and it's ready. If you, I'm talking about just look from, don't worry. You need to delete that number. And delete it from the cloud everywhere where you can go and restore. Delete it finally. That girl that looked at you in the mall and said, Call me anytime. You, you save the numbers anytime. <laughs> Angels have been looking at your phone and shaking their heads. Because you know it's very easy to look at Adam and Eve and say, Ah, ah, Eve now. Up. Ah, ah. If it was me. This devil came, take up. I would tell him, never. God said, we should not. I know myself. I cannot do that kind of thing. I, God of Apple, you have spoiled the whole world. I said, uh, what's his name? Esau. Porridge. What's in porridge, self? It's not even uh, Senegalese jollof rice or something fancy. <laughs> porridge. What's porridge? <laughs> Angels are looking at you and like, Um, I'm going to talk about addiction very quickly, but you see, you know, so that ad, Holy Spirit, please help me. So what's happened is that they've told us this story where sex is all night long. The songs when they talk, when they sing about sex, some of us who are married, we wonder, ah, <laughs> is it the same thing? <laughs> no, but, but sex is pleasurable. God wants you to have great sex, but. My point is, it's been built up to such a place where not only are you ready to take it unofficially, when you start even, you, you, the, if you let the world frame your expectations for sex, you would almost always feel like an underperformer. I'm going to wrap up very quickly, but show me, look, um, 
when it becomes an addiction, and, and I know certain principles are general, how do you break the addiction? Okay, um, very quickly, it becomes an addiction when it's compulsive. When you tell yourself you're going to stop and you keep finding yourself um, going back to it. At that point, you have a problem. Um, and I tell people, when you have cancer, um, not only do you pray to God for healing, you go and see a doctor. Um, so you don't say you're sitting down at home just waiting for a miracle alone. You also take steps um, to do the responsible thing by going to see a doctor. Um, so in the same way when you're dealing with an addiction, um, you're looking up to God for deliverance, but at the same time, you need to see someone. Um, you need to talk to someone, a counselor, a licensed counselor, a therapist, um, because like I said, your brain has been rewired and someone has to help with that process um, of rewiring it all over again. Um, so please... Yes, you're looking up to God for deliverance. And I'm, I'm sure Pastor Idris at the end of the service will pray um, for people who are dealing with masturbation. But please do talk to a counselor. You need to break that cycle of secrecy um, and shame. Um, there's nothing to be ashamed about. Um, there's nothing to feel bad about. It's something you, you can tell someone um, in confidence. So please, if you're dealing with an addiction, um, we'll make an announcement as to how you can talk to a counselor today. Okay. So... So, counseling is extremely important. We'll put you on the spot a bit. Did you get counseling? Um, no, I did not get counseling. Um, so, why do you want us to get counseling? Because <laughs> or worked for now you? I provide counseling. Um, <laughs> I, I did not get counseling because um, it was an act of deliverance. So, which is why I said you cannot hold on, hold, um, discount. Wait, wait, what is act of deliverance? Let's say it's, simple. <laughs> it's like life and death matter. Okay. Um, I was having, like, like I said, I was having a conversation with God um, about it and wondering what I was going to do about it. Um, and remember, this is Nigeria, so this is not a place where you can just um, Google and say, I'm looking for a therapist or I'm looking for a counselor. And then you, you have a list of names um, of people you can talk to. So here I was in college um, and I had no idea who I was going to talk to. Um, and I was just having a conversation with God, and then God just said, um, how would you describe me? If someone were to ask you to describe me, how would you describe me? And I just started reeling out, you know, all the names of God, you know, all the, the attributes of God. And I remember I said, long-suffering. Um, and then it hit me that I had been dealing with all of this shame and all of this guilt, assuming that God hadn't forgiven me. And then I realized that if God was long-suffering, then it meant that he had forgiven me over and over and over and over and over again. And that it was something that he could help me um, deal with. And I think for me, that was the trigger. Um, it kind of like just woke me up and I said, oh my God, Shubumi, see your life, <laughs> you know. And I, I think that was the point that, that kind of marked um, the walk for me. Fantastic. And, and, and two things from that. So we, after service today, we've set up the tent be behind, and we'll do this for the next couple of weeks, we'll announce it we'll get licensed counsellors to come, some of the ministers will be there and if there's anyone and there are people who want someone to just pray with them or someone to counsel, because like Shubami said, there's a time with, with, with cigarettes for example it rewires not just your brain, it rewires the, the way your body also works and so the way to break certain types of addiction is to 
have someone who understands that process and the cycles and the triggers um, help you, right? And so we'll provide all that. Today, we'll pray. And for some people, you would find that God will literally instantly enable you with power. And for some people, you will know this power by the fact that there are certain desires that will not come up as often or with the intensity. You would find a renewal of confidence. For some people, God will grant you wisdom. He will show you where not to go and who not to go with. He will tell you, the Bible says he will walk through the wise is wise. And there are certain people who you would not talk to. And certain people who, certain people, he would direct you to you know, open up accountability channels. The thing with addictions, and this is what, one thing I found that I probably just ask you to comment is, and I think the counselors are an even better place to do, is that you find out that sometimes the issue you see on the surface is not the issue. And there's a trigger. I'll tell you one trigger that was for me. Every time I was broke, every time I was broke, it had a huge impact on my sense of esteem, my confidence, and you would literally just look for what made you feel a bit better. And I realized that one of the things that God will do for some people as we pray today is begin to show you what your triggers are. Right? For some people, it's just the sadness of loneliness. For some people, it's how you felt because of something that happened to you in the past. And so the counselors would are skilled to identify triggers, right? And as God begins to lift veils, um, you, would, you would find the freedom and the power of God. And you know, something I wrote in my notes, and sorry, is there, so I called you here so you can answer, because I'm not going to just preach, was how, for a number of us, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but we really don't activate it Now, this is a slightly difficult question, so maybe I'll just ask you gently, and you can use your church mind to answer. After that act of deliverance, that was the end. No, 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 it wasn't. Uh, you it do, wasn't. You didn't have your style to think of the question, but it's okay. <laughs> tell me. And that's the last question. But just tell me, what do you mean? So, and how did you deal in the future? Um, it was a process. Um, and then also because there are several years after that that... Um, I've had to still deal with, you know, sexual desire and sexual temptation. I think what helps um, is being very honest about it. Um, because Pastor Idris is my friend, when I'm traveling, I have discussions with him. Um, I, I tell people it's easy to deal with sexual temptation when it's not available. Um, it's harder to deal with it when it's not only available, but you can finance it. Um, so sometimes when I'm traveling, whether locally or internationally, I tell Pastor Idris, Pastor Idris, this is what I'm going through now. Um, I don't want to go to a bar and make myself available. Um, I need to have this under control. And just that act of having a conversation kind of diffuses um, the pressure that I'm under. Um, so sometimes if you think you can handle it on your own and you're trying to feel you're very spiritual, you know, and you're very strong, you know, I, I find that sin tends to thrive in secrecy. 
and in hypocrisy. So for people who are very self-righteous, um, they usually have a harder time dealing with sexual sin um, than for people who are very humble and just say, I need help. You know, so sometimes just having someone you can talk to, and I mean, all the leaders in church, if you look to your right, um, there's none stage. of them. <laughs> there's none of them that's going to condemn you. If you walk up to them and you just say, I'm dealing with an issue, I need help. I need to talk to someone. They're going to deal, deal with it very confidentially and just have a conversation um, with you. So I, I think that helps. That has helped me. Um, sometimes I fall. Sometimes I rise. Um, but always just the fact that I know there's someone I can talk to um, that is not going to condemn me and that, that's going to support me. Um, and one more thing, talking about triggers. Um, I once gave out my TV for one year. I didn't watch TV for a year. Um, and that's because media is one of my triggers. Was that before you met me? <laughs> I just want to know who you gave it to. No, no, it why was you didn't give it still to during that period. Um, was it a big TV? <laughs> oh, why I didn't give it to you? Well, okay. yeah, yeah. Well, continue. <laughs> okay. We'll talk about um, that. So I gave up my TV. I stopped watching music videos as much as I love music. I just cut off um, music videos, cut off TV for a year. Um, because I needed to get my mind straight um, and I needed to just constantly um, focus on things that were um, um, more noble than, than what I was used to. Um, and then finally, loneliness can be a trigger um, for some people. Um, I always kind of wonder that when people are lonely, you know, why can't you just walk up to someone to say, I want to go out? There's no shame in it. There's no shame in saying, I just want to have a conversation. And like I said, the leaders in the church are also very open. If you want to go for a movie, talk to any of them and just say, I'm lonely. I want to go for a movie. <laughs> there's nothing. It's just, there's no big deal. <laughs> you know, I want to go for dinner. There's none of them that is going to think you're trying to toast them. <laughs> you know, if you ask them. <laughs> Do you understand? Well, some of them are single, so those ones are yeah. for toasting. No, no, that, I mean... I, can, I have a list. I, oh, can just, okay. I can read the list, but not, not, not distract Okay, for the purposes of this conversation, if you walk up to any leader in church and you say, I just want to go out, I just want to go and have a drink, I just want to go and watch a movie, chances are they will even pay. You know, so it's, it's not... I'm serious. I'm serious. That's what they're there for, <laughs> you know? So sometimes just that ability to call someone at 7 p.m. and distract yourself and just say, I want to go see a movie or I want to take a walk or I want to have a conversation. It's not a big deal. Well said. Let's appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, you are going to see that movie that you're paying for. <laughs> Please let me and my wife know, okay? <laughs> let me tell you what this for me is really about. And I've been saying it, I just want to, I'm going to wrap up, okay? Um, God can use anything in this world. He would use a donkey. He would use birds. He would use corrupt kings. He would use... Herod, he would, he would use people. But I find that there are certain things that God wants to do that he may not use everybody for. And I say that carefully. So once time, David has a conversation and says, look, I want to build a temple. And 
God says, just hang on. I think your son should build it. When you read First Timothy, he says in a, in a great house, there are different type of vessels. And he says that one thing that distinguishes the vessels one from the other is the way they give attention to God on certain matters. He says, if any man um, purifies himself, he says he will be a vessel unto honor sanctified and made for the master's use. In 2 Corinthians 7, 1, Paul uses a phrase I love a lot. He says, perfecting holiness. I love that. Let me tell you what this is about for me. I, I sense that the reason why we have so much darkness in our world today is because there is so much light that God wants to birth. The, the discussion is still the same. It's the same Garden of Eden discussion. Did God say so? Don't you know? Didn't you hear what they said in that song? So you don't know. Your, your eyes will open. Oh, there's this type of sex. Ooh, oh my God. Sorry, relax. You, when you have that sex, ah, <laughs> you, it's the same argument. And I keep sensing that, like me, people who have walked away from their calls because they become persuaded that God cannot use them. People who cannot imagine that God can use them. This is bigger than sin or no sin. There are nations tied to your destiny. There's a kingdom agenda with your name on it. There's a crown with your name on it. Someone is somewhere. You don't know that the one who created everything has been cheering you on. You don't realize that people like Moses, Elijah, Abraham, Paul, Benson Idahosa, Kenneth Hagin, Martin Luther King, Samuel Ajayi Crowd, and Mother Teresa, that they've all gathered in the stands, cheering every step you make. You don't realize that the Holy Spirit, Bible says, in constant intercession and prayer for you. John 3, 1 John 3, 3 says, He who has this hope in himself purifies himself. So it means that every now and again, you will take certain things away from your life and circumstance. Because, not just because of those things, but because of what God is calling you to and who is calling you to become. In a great house, they're not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth. This is it for me. It's that God is calling so many of us, young people, wherever you are, He's calling you to such greatness that masturbation cannot be what will hold you back. Why did I write the number 100 on the table, on that, on that thing? So, Oh, it's my last scripture I'm going to read. But done, done, done. Daniel 1, 12. I can't understand why Daniel does this, but I think it's consistent with what I just said. He says, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. What is the alternative? Is the king's table. Verse 13, he says, then let our appearance be examined before you. 
and their parents of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacy. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. And so the administrators, he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Toss the steward took away the, their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Verse 17, as for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Um, there's someone who I want to challenge to um, a brand new level of walk with God, especially with regards to sexual purity. It's not a fast. A fast means that you just hold on. And after X number of days, you eat like there's a famine coming. It's not a fast. I don't, for what is a hundred days from today? It's Tuesday, 8th of August, 2017. I checked it yesterday. There's an app or something. And there's someone who I want to challenge. Masturbation, whatever it is. As a church, as your leaders, we will pray. We will be praying. But it's a hundred days where you essentially say like Daniel, I think there's a lifestyle that God wants us to aspire to. And the promise I'm praying and, and I'm holding on to God is that at the end of this period, that if you compare your life in every regard to the life you would see in that period, that there will be a remarkable difference. And, and this is for me not something I say lightly. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've struggled with. I don't know what you're struggling with. But I'm asking you for... And for someone who might say, look, boy, 100 days. And it's not a fast, so it's not something that you will start and stop. It's For someone who says, look, it's just the first 100 days of the life you want to live with God. You're, you have a beautiful life in front of you. But God knows that there's guilt, weights on the inside that are slowing you down. So that's scripture, dropping weights, dropping sins, and running the race. Um, after service today, we're all around. We'll pray now. And please, when we pray this prayer, um, I want you to be honest with God. Um, I mean, there's lots of resources available and the church will provide, we'll be here. There's counseling Saturday and Sunday. But there's something about this prayer today. And we've heard testimonies before. So it's just, we'll take one worship song and we'll just ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to touch us. For some people, you would just, you would feel, literally feel God's presence. For some people, you would hear 
He will give you an instruction. For some people, He will tell you certain things. But it's not the kind of prayer where you're trying to listen to your neighbor's prayer boards. No. I asked the government. They sorted out. There's no work tomorrow. Relax. Okay. Take the day off. They know you came here. But, so don't rush. All this maybe 10 minutes. I'm not going to say, by the time it's now more than 10 minutes, I said, I lied. Just relax. We won't spend time. I need to actually wrap up quickly. But it's just a one worship song. It's not a long prayer. I'm not going to. If you feel, if you feel like you need space to pray, there's space everywhere. If you think somebody's going to look at you and say, ah, this person's praying about sexual something. We assume everybody praying is praying for their cousin, Femi. And if you don't have any, if you don't have anything to pray about in this regard, your life is fantastic and all is good in your world. May I ask that you pray for me, my wife, my children, and just pray for the rest of us who need God this morning. Bros, you have a song? All of you. You make my life so beautiful. And why are you showing off and singing it like that? Don't you know the Noah? You have a people you can sing. Just sing it normal. How you have made me Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.